river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 107. When last we left our hero. So, um, we had met up with Alora and had a conversation about um, how much she hates um, Castruccio Rivetti and would like to see him dead and she wants her kid back and She'd like it's not to brutally murder her husband and all her friends. Yep. And we come up with a cunning plan for hopefully leading to those outcomes. And um, then we kind of left her in the woods. Yep. And then we explored a bunch of hexes which didn't have anything in them. Yep. Then we um, came back to civilization and um, talked to Tristram about a bunch of weird fey things like the boulder and what's up with it. Yep. And then we did some um, magic on divination magic on my sword. Yep. And um, I did some weird accidentally fl- fling myself backwards out of portals thing around uh, yes, Titania. You, you went to speak to Titania about Gatekeeper, and every and time you tried to mention it, you got thrown out of her realm. Yeah, and then I did my best um, trying to explain to the Fae about weird Fae stuff things, which I think left her horribly, horribly suspicious, but such is life. And then I failed my sense motive check, so I don't know what's going on with that. Um, and then, because I was wigged out, I went to see Tristram. I went back to see Tristram, and he did a legend lore on Gatekeeper. Yes, indeed. Um, yep, which I have here. Yep, you can read it again if you desire to. No, I'm good. Do cool. you remember? Uh, pretty much the one of three and three of one. Threes from one, one of threes. From great sacrifice of all the keys, blah 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 blah. To get a stronger than a part, they offer choice to mortal heart. Yes. And yeah, then I think you were interested in getting Tristan to do a similar divination on um, Blight and Mysterious Third Blade. Oh, we, I was certainly contemplating doing it, but I don't want him to do it this month because we were at the end of this month and I want to take him out next month. Yeah, yeah. And he has to spend serious... De- assuming that, you know, we're not invaded next month, which I, I actually yeah. have no idea if that's going to happen or not. But It, it will take him several days to... Um, Cast or to cast it on blight, and it will take him several weeks to cast it on a, what's a th- largely theoretical third blade. Yeah. 
But he certainly can. You have enough information to target the spell on it. Yeah. Um, that's about it. Yeah, I'd certainly be interested in doing it on Blight. I'm not so sure about the third blade. Yeah. Um, in any case, we'll postpone that project for now. No problem. Um, and, um, yeah, no, that's right, that's the order I want to do. Um, there's some, um, I wanted to check in with Van and Svetlana about possibly getting married after I've been out with Tristra. Yep. Because they were sort of holding that off for a little while to let the whole Quintessa mess die down. Yes. And get past the month where Tristan was supposed to marry Quintessa, if possible. Yeah, Tristan was due to marry... So it's Desmus now? Yeah. So Tristan was due to marry Quintessa next month. In Sarath. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So and we'll... Van and Svetlana had vaguely talked about doing a double wedding so they could sort of um, more quietly sneak theirs through. Yeah. But certainly hadn't remotely committed to doing so in any fashion. Yeah, so basically we're going to let Sarenth just pass quietly by and then they can get married in Aristus or something. Yep. Which, of course, Aristus is when Caelan got married, so, yep. you know. Or Aristus, as they prefer, but, you know, not, not Sarenth. Cool. And then, yes, so then we were up to, So that was about where we left... That, that was where we left it. Yep. Weird phase stuff is happening. Caelan doesn't know what any of it means. Yep. Even Tristram doesn't entirely know what it means. Um, and the theory being, we, if we can boost... If Caelan can boost his... Ma- use magic device, he can have another try at unlocking that rock with one sword. Yes. Or he can get two swords and have a much better go at it. But that's, of course, presumably why... Eravetti hasn't presumably unlocked it. Uh, yeah, and there was some question... Um, Tristan's basic theory was if one sword gives you a plus 20, a second one will give you another bonus. Yeah. Um, but there was also some question about whether Eravetti was sufficiently human anymore to actually do it. Whether he can um, actually make use magic device checks? Uh, not whether he can make use magic device checks. You've actively seen him Either he's got lots of levels and casters, or he's a used magic device, because you've seen him pull out scrolls and teleport and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Without any real difficulty. Which is a very depressing prospect, because if there's one thing you don't want in a guy who's a big melee beat stick, is that it, with ridiculously good AC, is that he's also able to cast spells. Yeah, I mean... I mean he, possibly he's a cleric. <laughs> you're not entirely sure what the hell is going on there, whether yeah. he's a cleric, whether he's a something with high used magic device. Yeah, given, given that... We know he has some kind of weird abilities going on, and this is Pathfinder. Yeah. It's entirely yeah. possible he's a brand new class of, you know, battle iron lord that they've made up just for him. Use magic device would go with um, Bean and uh, an artificer, yeah, a clockwork builder. But you still don't actually have confirmed that it's him that's building all the clockwork. Yeah, work. yeah, I think. Um, my impression is he thinks of it as his ability. But I think he might still do that even if he was, had someone working for him. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain he don't, doesn't think Gaitain's abilities are effectively his abilities. He's a very, you know, his whole his kingdom is kind of all, all about him. Uh, in any case, the um, part of the legend law was, well, talking about the blade as well. One is strong, two add to ten when driven by the heart of men. Yeah. Together stronger than apart, they offer choice to mortal heart. And there was some question as to whether he was still a man, whether he still had a mortal heart, whether he has sufficient human heart or to actually drive that thing through. Mm-hmm. 
because all of his challenges have been around understanding hearts and emotions yeah. and that whole kind of thing. And from a meta point of view, um, what Tristan's theorem is, is that the sword gives you a bonus, but Iravetti is taking an inherent penalty for being a clockwork man. Ah, uh, yeah. And not a, mor- not a mortal man who the swords are meant for kind of thing. Like using the force when you've got an artificial limb. Yeah. In the- very nice analogy. So in theory, if he got two blades, that might be enough to overcome the penalty. I mean... And, and as well, you know, whatever is used magic devices, he's presumably either can't, won't, or has used his whatever buffs he's got access yeah, to. I mean, there's only so high that you can get these kind of things. Certainly, you can pretty safely imagine that anything Caelan can think of, Erebedi can probably think of, and he's got the same sort of resources you do. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily follow that because he couldn't get it, I can't get it. He doesn't actually, insofar as you can tell, have access to a bunch of high-level PC buddies. Yeah. He's got Gaitain, and he's got Villamore Cough, but um, neither of their skill sets says, I'm totally full of buff spells. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, Cough is kind of like, he's a battle turtle. (laughs) There's been no real indication he can do anything other than hit things unbelievably hard and be hit unbelievably hard and not get hurt. And, you know, Gaitain is no longer available, and even when he was, you know, he he brought, you know, stealth archery to the table, not and sinister traps and annoying being awareness DR, being aware at DR and things. And, um, so Tristan will also uh, ask you several searching questions about the mysterious cave that you have found on the river. The one that's, um, the, the cave on top of a on top of a high hill. The the one with the skull fence around yeah, it's it. It's surrounded by a skull fence. You and Svetlana yep. flew over it. Yeah. Had a look at it, and it's got um, some sort of creatures. I'll just find the description I gave originally because this was yonks um, ago. Now yonks ago player time. Um, So, uh, what you have on this this cave is there's a line of skulls on poles set all around it, basically sufficient to um, be an obvious warning away. Um, that I think you got this from Elora that Iravetti had it marked off. Yeah, it's a place people shouldn't go because they'll die. Yeah. As um, opposed to some of the other ones, which is the places that they sh- people shouldn't go because yeah. they're yeah, he ha- will kill them. He has not. He has not um, banned it. Or, yeah. Or, and he's just posted a safety advisory notice. Walking in this place will result in your inevitable demise. Pretty much. Um, because I see your Vesey as being a very um, free choice, freedom of choice man. You know, you're welcome to walk in there. The consequences, you will die. And when you flew over it, there were a bunch of these sort of big balls of metal stuff rolling around the outside of it. Yeah. And that was about, I think, what you got. Cause yeah, because we, we flubbed our perception. Yeah, you had no perception to speak of and you weren't prepared to go down any closer to them. Yeah. So, you know, Tristan likes um, weird things fundamentally. Cool. Cause you know, what could this mean? It's Are there secret books hidden in the magic cave? Yeah, well, I mean... I, I, he, he actually has no ideas 
that you don't because he's yeah. got nothing to run off here. Um, but I'm per- I, I was actually thinking of bringing him down there because yes. he's got investigation and, and weird on, knowledge. On the other hand, Kristen is pretty much your guy, your go-to guy for what the fuck is this thing? Right? Yeah, yeah. Get out of blackboard and tell me about tell me about glitches. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was um, you know I've just been listening to the um, Niska bit and um, the conception is like, all right, so we're fighting these weird things. What do they do? Look at Cork. I don't know. Ellen doesn't know. Alright, well what we'll do is we'll kill them and then we'll go back to town and ask and then we'll go back and ask Tristram what they were after their death. I think, I think Tristan's finest moment has been the right we need to know everything you can tell us about the ancient Cyclopean Empire and liches. <gasps> it's like Christmas. Yeah. Well we've all been there when someone finally asks you the question that you've always wanted to explain to someone at least. So he is not um uh tugging at your arm to do this, mm-hmm. but it's very much you know, well, yes, I'd, I'd be fascinated to have a look at those things and see what they are. A cave on a hillock, you say, it could contain any number of old elven ruins or blah, 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 blah. Well, considering I actively want to take him out and that's, um, where, and that's a place I haven't explored, I'd be more than happy to actually take him down there and have a look see at it. The message from the GM is that is the thing he's interested in because he likes strange things as opposed to something that he's passionately hanging on. Cool. You know, had you found the ancient Fae Temple, yeah, then yeah. he would doubtlessly be hanging off your arm going, can we go, can we go, mm-hmm. are we there yet, are we there yet? Mm-hmm. Where are you headed? Uh, so to begin with, it is the month of Desnus. Yep. So I'm headed for a kingdom pair. I see. So, many things were accomplished. Cal mm-hmm. has spent a big, big, big pile of his huge treasury bonus. So, um, he has claimed B10 in the Hooktongue Slough and built a road. Yep. Which, um, connects him just about directly with, um... His um, it, it um, extends straight down into Pytax. It doesn't actually cross the Pytaxian border, but that's the last hex yep. before Pytax, and there's now a road going straight down. Yep. There is um, it the the reason that you don't claim other people's hexes are pretty much because that starts a war. With yeah. Them. Uh, there's nothing actively stopping you from claiming Pytax's hexes. It's just you know. They'll dispute it for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, but I'm having enough trouble having him not come up here and beat up on the hexes yeah. in Fort Drayle if I don't necessarily want to go that far. However, it will be a fairly apparent to anyone um, over five that um, Kaelin is definitely thinking in terms of making it easier for a large army to march south. Yep. It, it's not a very subtle road. Um, and... Um, in addition to that, um, instead of rebuilding the farm in um, B8, where it was burned down mm-hmm. by Wyverns, he has put a watchtower there. Mm-hmm. Which also sends a not particularly subtle message. Um, in um, the Green Belt, he has claimed A1, a completely uninteresting farm hex on the border, uh, a grassland hex on the border of Ravoy, and put a farm in it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Noman Heights, he's claimed A9 and B9, two grassland hexes along a river, and put farms on both of them as well. Yep. And um, lastly, he has claimed a jungle hex, um, which is the one that had the um, orb in it, yep. the, um, and possibly still does. Uh, it was the, what was the thing called? Uh, Watching Stone? 
Right. Yep. Um, which is now a jungle hex with nothing particular else in it. Yep. And um, he has made that a fey reserve. Yep. So he has put absolutely nothing in it and has no plans to do so ever. That's like, you know, force of war set aside as a preserve style stuff. Cool. Um, So the theory being it's set aside for fey colonisation and also for the centaurs effectively if they want to go and roam around up there because it's kind of an important site to them. That's part of the reason he, he chose that one. Yep. He's definitely not guaranteeing this is going to happen to all the jungle hexes, but he has heard the phase request for this is special land, and he's putting that bit aside for them. So the Watcher's Stone does not provide you with any um, particular kingdom benefits. Basically, it's pretty much done its purpose at this point. Yeah, I kind of figured that was the case, but um, I am... I don't know if I get anything for putting aside a reserve, but I'm now telling you that I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I may well not, because it's not, um, unlike the other two, it doesn't provide a direct stat bonus. Yeah. Um, but I feel good for having done it. Um, and that was all the hex claiming. That's the most hexes I've ever claimed in a turn. Yep. Um, I, um, built a tradesman and, a house and a tradesman in Fort Drayleth. Yep. So very little building, very little building. And, um, then I spend the rest of my money. Um, I bought healing potions for Aurora's runners. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much that was? 40 build points, that's how much that cost. On the other hand, they last forever. I know, I know, but um, that was well, a pretty... At least until destruction. Yes, and um, yes, until the army dies, at which point I just lose them all. And um, I bought the Stag Runners a siege engine. Very nice. Yes, so their OEM goes up, and um, that improved... Um, no, no, that didn't give me a um, kingdom bonus. That was yep. the other things. But um, that um, makes them more dangerous and increase their consumption. That's right. It gave me a um, kingdom penalty. Interestingly, having built three farms but claimed five hexes and built a siege engine, my consumption is 16. Yep. So I have run very hard to stay in the same place. Because I claim... It, because fundamentally I'm maintaining this huge strip of territory I'm not putting farms in because I don't want them to be burned down and it's very expensive. It's hard to argue with. And I keep increasing my armies, which is not doing wonders for my consumption either. Yep. Um, uh, it, it's like war is expensive or something. You have remembered that you've got um, Eugenia Varadu on offer as a... Um, yes, she, she is now actually one of my generals. Cool. That is a thing that has happened. She is... Um, Leading the Avenging Bowman in Keston's absence. Yep. Who now have a huge, um, huge charisma, uh, yep. morale bonus that they otherwise would not have. Yep. And I have actually bought them both, you know, as opposed to the other turn when, um, Dreadleaf invaded, I have actually now bought them bows, so they're the Avenging Bowman with bows. Awesome. Um, the Aurora's Rangers also have ranged weapons, but it's like Shuriken or whatever, because they're monks. Mm-hmm. Um, or his runners. Sorry. Stay proficient with crossbows. Okay, they can have some crossbows. <laughs> Whatever the, they've got, ranged weapons because that was yep. cheap. Yep. And I can't buy the. I can't. I, if I would normally buy, I like my armies to have a couple of improvements. So I would already buy must work armor, but they're monks, so I bought them healing potions, and I hope they're grateful because that was a shitload of money. <laughs> All right, and that was the whole. That was the whole nine yards. That was the whole thing. Cool. But you know, my kingdom treasury was one seventy one, and now it's sixty three. But the kingdom size has definitely gone back up. We're yep. heading back to where we were before we gave that. We've now passed where we were before we gave the territory to move on. Yep. And 
I believe that's about that then. Uh, yep, so I'm now ready to, you know, yep. have Kingdom events, get invaded, all that stuff. Uh, collect your taxes. Collect taxes, yes. Yes, no pressure. I need a big pile of money to replace the big pile of money I just spent. And I am not going to get it. Oh, the price of war. Yeah. Trade is shutting down. Yep. I had a pretty good um, economy turn last turn, so I yep. think everyone sort of paid me what they had then. But no, the um, I my kingdom's size is very much limited by my economy, and I do run the risk of not making all those checks. So no, I get the um, 13 build points, and that is that. Which is one of the reasons I didn't spend everything in my pen, all my pennies, because I have to be prepared to potentially fight a war. Yep. Okay, and then you are on to your kingdom events for Desnes. Yes. So, it is now the end of spring, and there is only one... There, uh, this is in fact not a kingdom event. We jump past kingdom events to army movements. Ah, uh, yep. Pytax is moving. Yeah, I thought that might happen. <laughs> um... Specifically, you get word that a bunch of armies are heading up from Pytex to Woods Stagthorn yep. at this stage. Um, he has his wyverns coming. Yep. His big army of Pytexian regiment again. Yep. Um, he has a horde of Tiger Lord Barbarians coming. Oh, those guys. Those guys. He hasn't sent those guys before. No, you didn't find that army, I think. I, I didn't find them. I knew he had them. I didn't find them down there, and um, he hasn't sent them before. Oh, sorry. No, my apologies. He's not um, sending sending the the Barbarians. Okay. Uh, He is sending another group that is a huge army of humans. Uh, So I think huge is 500. Yeah. that look like they are a sort of very motley band and have uh, a string of um, sewing together flags and uniforms and that kind of thing. The descriptor from your scouts matches what you know of the river raises. Right, so I'm going to have to get in there and deliver the letter personally. So that's going to be a um, personal, like, um, adventurous style action on the eve of war style of thing. Yep. More and the last one that is coming up. Yep. Uh, so that's three so far. So uh, yeah, Pythaxian regiment, Wyverns, River, uh, raises, River raises, and this fourth group. Yep. Uh, some sort of clockwork cavalry. Interesting. Uh, he is sending up the scouts. Describe clockwork clockwork men that look very like very much like first, who are riding clock what appear to be clockwork horses. Right. And that is the first army you have seen that is entirely constructed of constructs. Yeah. Uh, and you could very easily um, predict at least a couple of things that they will do. Um, for one thing, they're obviously mounted. Yes. Um, secondly, by nature of being constructs, uh, they have a po- they have a positive and a minus. They can't make morale checks, um, which means they can't route. Yeah. It's not that they fail the morale check automatically, it's that they just get dash. Yeah. Uh, it also means that they lose every tactics thing. Because yes. they are extremely mechanically predictable. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the morale checks will matter to them. 
but they also can't be, you know, inspired by bards or made afraid by scary abilities you might have or any of that sort of thing. Yeah, but as I have bards and I don't have scary abilities, that's kind of a net win for me. Yeah. And that is what Tristan can obviously tell you. Yeah. If they're light constructs, then this will happen. Yeah, and the only time, um, you know, I'm not heartbroken by our armies that don't rout, because if they rout, then I'm winning and I'd like to destroy them. <laughs> uh, and you actually know this one from first, or at least you could track him down and ask him. He would, he would tell you. If the units are damaged, they will be unable to, they will be unable to repair themselves in any substantive time. Uh, so the Clockwork Cavalry do not heal. Yeah. They cannot do the thing where they retreat and heal up their um, CR and hit points kind of thing. They have to actually go home yeah, and On a kingdom turn, they go home and get repaired. Yeah. But Which it, is presumably um, uh, Irovetti's equivalent of a whole bunch of yeah. guys, Corwin's, a whole bunch of guys with m- mending go out and mend them. But, but at, any, at any scale... Not mending, whatever, the make hole. Make hole. At any scale less than a kingdom turn, the Clockwork Cavalry cannot be have their hit points restored. Cool. And ergo, they also can't benefit from having things like healing potions, obviously. Yeah, the wyverns are a huge army, aren't they? And the um, the Pytaxian regiment are the really big one. The uh, Pytaxian regiment, uh, colossal. They're the two thousand man one, I think. I believe that's gargantuan. Uh, hold on, let me. But I have the army rules sitting in front of me. So let's check. Uh, gargantuan is the next size up from huge. Yep. Which I believe is the um, thousand man one. Must be written down here somewhere, right? Uh, here we are. Gargantuan is one thousand men, Colossal is two thousand men. Yep. So there are two thousand man army. Wow, okay, yep. Pass me the Yeah, because I can't field those. Um, Gargantuan is as big as I got. Uh. Are they 2,000 men? Yeah, I, I would be curious as how with a kingdom that's significantly smaller than mine, a Ravetti can field one. Ah, no, I've just got the wrong thing written down here. Yeah, they are a colossal army. Okay. Oh, sorry, a gigantic army or a colossal one. Right, that makes more sense. That one. Cool. They are a thousand, a thousand men at arms. Yep. I've got two of those, whereas um, I can't field colossal armies, so... Um, the wyverns are a medium-sized army, 100 wyverns. Right, that's right, but it, it's oh, each wyvern is better. Yeah, it's, it's essentially, the army is based on the CR of the base creature. Yeah. So the wyvern, a, a wyvern is pretty badass in and of itself. Yeah. But obviously everybody's only got... Everybody's effectively running off the same thing you're running off with your lizard folk. He can build a wyvern army, but it's got to be yay smaller than the maximum. Yeah, he's only got so many wyverns. He had trolls, but they appear to have all been wiped out. Sweet. Um, I worked quite hard on killing them. I'm I'm pleased by that. So he has the tiger lords and the hill giants bounded on mastodons somewhere in reserve. Yeah, but as ever, he's not sending every army he's got yeah. in case I wipe them all out, and then he's bugging. And with his clockwork cavalry, you... I don't think have any real strong grasp on how big a, how strong a CR they would be. Yeah, that seems fair. Because it depends on how he has made them. You have yeah. counted different constructs of wildly varying levels of strength. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, it's like, you know, human fighters. Yeah. You know... 
how good are the hum- how good is each it's, human fighter? It's very much a trade-off. You know, like the stealth units, for example, could disappear; they could cloak themselves. Yeah, um, but they were they were weaker physically and took had lower hit points and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I need now, I'm putting away a bunch of stuff so I have space, and what I need to get out of the kingdom maps. Oh, and this won't matter to you in the least. Um, but Tristan could also tell you, as a, the Clockwork Cavalry will also have Spellbreaker as an ability. They get, right, yeah. they get hofty bonuses against armies that are spellcasters because a lot of the spells don't work on them because they're constructs. I have been toying with a wizard army, but I haven't built one, so it's not relevant right now. Yep. And yes, you get word that all of these armies are activating. Yes. So, based on what happened last time, I am going to activate all eight armies. Whoa. Yep. Yep. And yes, I did just fail my um, last economy check, and yes, this is a problem. Yep. But I did just deliberately stop spending money when I started to run out of enough money to activate my armies for a turn, and boy was that a sound But Dagmark will back you financially to an extent. Yeah, I, um... Well, you know, I've got, um... I've got a certain amount of money in the... I've got, um... Six... Uh, I've got a, a bit somewhere in the neighbourhood of 80 BP, so yep. there is enough money to run the war. Yeah. It's just, um... After I pay my consumption, I will be a bit buggered financially next turn. Yeah. Which is and not... Su- quite not, possibly in the negative. Which is not terribly surprising, you know, on a turn where you have... On a month where you have a string of huge-ass battles. Yeah. The kingdom is stretched. I might I might even break out the heavy taxes next turn. <laughs> well, they, what I want is something that prevents you from failing the economy checks, not gets you more money when you make them. <laughs> Although I think that actually boosts your economy. It boosts your economy. Yeah, so that will actually help. Alright. Okay, so um, I have here Unkingdom. Yep. So that we can get out our little um, dudes and move them around. Yep. So um, basically um, as we position these guys, yep. once the river raises get into um, my lands... Yep. Kaelin and um, Tristram are going to want to get aboard their magical horses and run a stealth mission to them. Yep. Um, that that may range anywhere between um, trivially simple to insanely difficult. It depends how many other armies are marching in the same place as them. Yeah, I'm just declaring that I'm going to do it because Kaelin doesn't normally do things on the army timescale. Yep. Whereas he's going to here. I'm going to make myself some little, um, my army sure. pieces of paper. I don't know if you still have your ones. For... I don't see if you pass me a pair of scissors and a piece of paper. I'm correct in my assumption that if I want an army to defend the city, they need to be active in case the people come knocking. Correct. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because otherwise they're not actually ready to go. Because, um... Because if active... nobody attacks Varnhold, the Varnhold army aren't actually going to do anything, but I have to have them active if I want them to defend Varnhold. Yeah, an, an active army is um, 
basically standing on the walls with their bows up ready to fight yeah. at any given time. An inactive army, are the soldiers are in the city, some of them are on duty, some of them are off, and then you've got to scramble frantically to try and um, put them together. Yeah. Um, and a reserve army is the soldiers are working in your populace. Yeah. So, yes, like... Your city is not just immediately destroyed if an army rolls up to it. You don't get automatically occupied or automatically conquered or anything. So it's basically they'll spend time beating your city down and wrecking it while you spend the week readying your army. Yeah. Okay, so we good? Yep. Okay, so... Do you want to have a look at the map to start with to give you some context about what I've got now? Yep, yep. I have an understanding of... uh, where your guys are and what they're about and things. Cool. Um, so, you get word back from your scouts that despite the fact that the wyverns are substantively faster than the others, other clockwork cavalry be a little faster as well, but the faster army's slow and all four of them move at exactly the same pace. Okay. Um, so they're probably not trying the spoiling raids bit last time. This time, because last time the Wy- wyverns came straight up while the other armies were still on the road. Yeah, the wyverns are quite fast, and the cavalry are um, not necessarily any faster. They might be, but they might not be. Um, and the other two are just normal yeah. things. Um, but no, they are all sticking together in one huge band, all in the same hex. Okay, good to know. And essentially, they spend a week getting their armies ready, you spend a week getting your armies ready. Yep. Um, they begin to move and basically go ka clunk, ka clunk, and I can't remember what this speed is off the top of my head. There's nothing impressive. Not once you pick, not once the slow, or the fast guys are waiting for the slow guys. Okay, so let me find my Pytaxian there. Sure. Is basically around sort of row six in, yep. in Pytax's territory. Yeah. Um, going up roads, presumably. Yeah. Okay. And that is, they do they do a march. Cool. You may take actions, take movements as you please. So that's a um. This is a moving a day. Yep. Cool. All right. Um. So the um hooves of thunder. Um. Having activated, which one of these? There's, uh, go one, two, three. Yep. And make it to Varnhold. Yep. Um, the um, Aurori's runners. Uh, <laughs> uh, leave Varnhold. Yep. And um, to whether they please. Well, they've got six speed and they're walking on roads. Yes, yeah, so they double so, to twelve. Yeah, so, um, uh, we'll um, make it to Elkthrist. Which is pretty much uh, monks working as intended. This is pretty much what I built them to do, yeah. Hmm? Uh, can I have a look at your map of what you've explored of Pytax? Sure. Make sure we're not clashing. But, but um, 
to be a certain amount of precision here. Yep. Here you go. <laughs> okay, so uh, you will get word from your scouts of this, basically. Um, something that wasn't there before, uh, in G4, he's functionally built an improvement. Yep. Um, there was a bridge there before, like yep. a nice, basic wooden bridge. Yeah. Um, it has now been upgraded substantively and made into a, in, instead of just a thing that people can walk across, it's been made into a big-ass transport bridge. Cool. Um, so he can functionally move his armies across rivers there. Cool. So I'll put a bridge here. Yeah. Cool. Which is good to know because I can do that too, presumably. What is what is reported to you is it is some, yeah, it's like building roads. It's yeah. A improvement. But what's reported to you is it's some kind of clockwork construction bridge. Yeah. And that's about as much as your scouts give you without you actually going and having a look at it. Yeah. Uh, and then it's so they're back around to them moving again. Yep. Alright. So two they go three hexes up and are now in what's probably around G3 on the Playtex map. Okay, G3, noted. Which means, essentially, based on their movement, they went part way up roads, then ran out of road. Yeah. Um, you can move double your speed on road hexes? Yes. Cool. Okay, so... One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. And the Hooves of Thunder gallop along into um, Varnhold. Yep. Uh, into um, the, green, the green belt. Yep. Aurori's runners um, uh, move down to Lakeview. Yep. Which is much, much, much less than they could do, but they're not actually super keen to wander around the um, open area, but they can get to other places very quickly from there. Yep. And then day three of movement, uh, they actually all pop up on your map. Cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, the stag runners would move as well, looking at that. The, the, um, I did want to move them, I just forgot. One, two, three. You haven't seen where you're moving them to, so the stag runners are just leaving Thornwatch. So what am I actually looking at here? Where's Elk's Rest on there? Uh, that's it there, under the pile of armies. Yeah, and what are all these unclaimed ones? Those are unclaimed hexes on the um, yeah. southern border. There's the so, Keeper Flowers, there's Mirkvale. So they have popped up on your map. Here, basically. Cool. Back to you. Alright, so there's a massive pile of army there. One, two, three, yep. four, five, six. Yep. Uh, fast. Stag runners have got the two. Standard ones, two yep. speed. Yep, so, but they've got roads. Um, one, two, Three. Yeah, because they can't make it into anywhere. Not unless they possess any sort of um, yeah. extraordinary capacities that haven't yet manifested. Cool, and I'll see where they're going. To there. Yep. Okay. And then can you just show me for my edification where your roads are on this map? Just telling your roads from your rivers. Yeah, so this is, this, these, that's a river. And, and single um, lines of roads. An un-British river. Yep. And that's a road. Cool. With the bridge. Cool. So, um, but people have walked over that in the past. I presume they just, you know, it, I don't think those are super deep rivers. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
case. So there's two possibilities. One is that they all go that way and dogpile on poor little Mertvale. The other one is that they ignore it and blat straight up for either um, Lakeview or Elk's Rest. Uh, and at this point, they're operating firmly in your territory, so you also get word Eravetti himself is with them. Ooh. Yeah, and I see the problem with the, um, if they're going to continue dogpiling in a huge stack. And kind of, the, the ever-present cough is with them as well. The yeah. little cough is with them as well. Alright. So, if I, all go, if all my boys come down to here, and then he comes up round there, my boys can ambush him on the road, or duck back. I don't see any way he can... Alright, so he comes here and here and then he gets double moved, but he has to enter that square. Yeah, he can get quite... Uh, he's got... Yeah, he can get quite a long way. I, but, I can show you this. Yeah, yeah, what I'm trying to work it, what I'm trying to work out is it, I don't I don't think he prob, I don't want, think he prob, wants yeah. to go to Merkvale, but I can't afford to be wrong. So he can go two squares anywhere in here. Yeah. Um, he can get to here, at which point he gets one further to here. Yeah. If he goes into Merkvale, then he can either stop and attack it, or take roads all the way up to here. Yeah. Alright, so, um... Alright, so let's check this fire movement. Alright, so for a start, I'm moving everybody except one army to, um, Merkvale. So I'm moving Aurori's run. Actually, am I? They're really fast, they can stay. Alright, who's under the some really big armies here. Um, I'm actually leaving Aurori's runners behind. Yep. Because they're fast and can catch up. And they're actually one of the smaller armies. Yep. So, um, let's check this on what regular humans can do. We've got one, two, three. Yep. Everybody else makes it down into Merkvale. Yep. Because... It's a very small army, and my tiny little my tiny little lizard folk army does not want to defend the place against all of Pi- against half of Pytax. Yep. Cool, and that's what we do. Okay. The Pytaxian group will throw a couple of passing sallies at Merkvale, but yeah. it's, it's more you know a couple of shots as opposed to a serious attempt on it. Yeah. Uh, they go straight past it and yeah. continue up your roads. Um, at which point you have the option to force an engagement because they walk through a hex with your armies. Yeah. Um, or let them pass. As in they're passing through Merkvale and heading up? Yeah, so they go into Merkvale's hex and then up to here. Yeah. And as they transition... Yeah, I don't I don't force an engagement as they pass through Merkvale. I don't want to fight them in Merkvale, and that's only going to lead to me doing so. Cool. So... They then go one, two, three, four. Up to here. Okay. Which point um, the um, river raiders fell off, so yeah. I'll put them back in. They're very sneaky. Yeah. So at which point I can gangbang them on the road or let them hit for elk's rest? Yeah. Because I'm. Or they can turn down yeah. for Lakeview. Yeah. Um. Uh, yes, it's your movement and their movement. Yeah. Other things happen. Cool. So. Um, These three armies follow them. Yep. But um, if because they're right behind them, my theory is if these guys turn into Merkvale, I can send them across. 
actually, there's no reason I have to make that decision. I have enough roads to do this. Yeah. Uh, they, these guys all head into Lakeview. Yep. It, it is reasonable to assume if these guys head for Alcrest, all yeah. these guys will follow yeah. them. Either side may choose to engage the other when you're in the same hex. If yeah. you're in separate hexes, there's still 12 miles between your army and theirs, so yeah. they can do whatever they like. And yeah, so the Kirkvars serve their purpose and stay behind in case they try and do some kind of tricky doubling back. A fuck ton of men go back up the road to Lakeview. Then we uh, round to the next lot of movement. Yes. They go for Elk's Rest. Cool. Thought that was what's going to happen. They march on it. Yep. Dunk, gadunk. Yep. Feel free to move them all up. Yep. Uh, at which point they will start engaging with Elk's Rest. Right, so they get a they get an, a day's attack on it before my guys can get there? Uh, no, you then move, yep. but it's, it's blatantly apparent what they are doing. Your yeah, armies don't it. arrive before their attack, your armies kind of arrive while they're readying themselves and that sort of thing. Yeah, at which point I have to decide how many... Alright, well let's start with the basics. I'm moving these three armies. Yep. I'm not going to put... They're in Elk's Rest, but I'm putting them on a pile up here because the piles are now getting unwieldy. And, um... Attacks, the regiment, the wyverns, and I've got the cobalt defenders in there as well. I will keep the runners as an emergency force at that point. Sure. Um, rather than and leave them in Lakeview. Okay. Because that's my. I've got four armies to their four armies. Yep. And Iravetti's armies march upon Elk's Rest. Eravetti himself doesn't or doesn't take the field to heroically lead them in. He's not that sort of leader. Um, and Kaelin and Tristan and several other people have been anxiously between the tactics room and up on the walls for the last couple of days, tracking where everyone is and that sort of thing. So if you want to engage in any jiggery pokery with the River Racers, you can. Um, but there are three other armies sitting on top of them. Yep. So, I select a different party member from the party select screen than the planned one. Yep. I, Trist- I deselect Tristram, I select, I select Michaela. Yep. And what I want her to do is disguise both of us so we can slip into their camp. Because when you say these armies are on top of each other, they would be maintaining separate camps in the same general area as customary. Yes. For mixed forces, particularly ones that don't necessarily get on. It's not, um, there's not a lot of, there's not miles distance, yeah, yeah. but it, there is space for individual PCs. What it so. is is basically, if the river raises a three hex over it yeah. here, you can go engage them, talk to them and do whatever you like, and nobody else is going to see it. Cause yeah. But at this point, everyone is within visual line of sight. If Kaelin rides openly into the river raises camp and then rides out again, Erevetti um, himself is going to go, hmm... But we are going to be described, disguised as scruffy hu- human mercenaries on the basis that the um, they hopefully don't know every river raiser by sight. And while, of course, the river raisers will know that we're not them, yep. we have, you know, secret countersigns. Okay. So, then you have selected Michaela. Yes. Alright. We just a moment. That's a lot of that's a lot of men and wyverns and everything else out there. 
We can't afford to screw this up and get caught. That's why I came to you. We'd better do what we did. The, we'd better do what we did the last time. And she will cast her disguise self spell on herself that she gets from being a trickery domain cleric. Then she will take her veil off and give it to you, so you can also cast disguise self on yourself. Yeah. And the deal is here, we are going for being scruffy human mercenaries on the basis that Caitlin's yeah. half-orkery is too distinctive a um, trait. Yeah, I think you're you're going for actually being river raisers, aren't you? Yeah, we are. Which are basically is not actually an entirely human army. Um, there are actually a variety of mixed sort of elves and halflings and even a couple of half-orcs in there. Yeah. Um, the thing is, being a half-orc mercenary is actually a perfectly valid thing to be disguised as. Yes. You know, if, if it wasn't for the whole the king's a half-orc thing, I wouldn't blink it just going in in, in that, that species. But as it is, it's it's a shade too obvious. But, Michaela, um, ironically, could do it, because even though she's a half-orc, no one knows she is one, but I figured she'd be more comfortable. She seems generally more comfortable passing for human. But they don't look like... She She leaves it ambiguous whether she's a human, an elf, or a half-elf. Yeah. It's always around that neighbourhood. Um, and what they look like, generally, are the River Raisers are a fairly scruffy, disreputable lot. They've all yep. got on, like, decent armour, but it's all over the place, the hodgepodge... There's no military discipline. Several of them have beards and long hair, that sort of thing. Kellen will, for this, actually dig his old band of mail out of the closet and put it on because it it, it has that authentic travelling mercenary who can't afford plate vibe about it. They're very much a Robin Hood-style army as opposed to, you know, the English army. Yeah. Alrighty. This is actually going to be middlingly difficult because the way I'm going to do this is you're basically aiming at a high DC check simply because you have so many different people that you need to move through, be be assessed by, be recognised by. It's not that any given century is so amazingly sharp-eyed. No, I can switch. It's reflecting that sooner or later someone might catch you. Yeah, well, considering that um, we're passing as river raisers, which the river raisers will know we're not, and it's really important, the other armies won't, but it's really important that they, we make our despise checks with all of them. And, you know, given he's up here itself, Eravetti might have a few high-level guys wandering around in these armies. I, I just like to make the mechanics transparently plain, so you know what you're getting into and what you're doing. Yep. Um, you don't know the DC. Uh, like a climb check, you have the thing of, if you, if you fail, then you simply don't get anywhere. You look at it, you go, right, we've tried to get in there, there are too many sharp-eyed centuries, we're going to have to abandon this plan and pull back. Yep. If you fail hard enough, then you get, right, you're spotted. Yep. And now there's a big problem. Yep. Cool. So, do you want to endeavour to aid Michaela with your bluff, or would you prefer not to be the mute sort of half or? Traditionally, this is the kind of thing you can make worse, Yes, right? yes, it exactly is. Yeah, well, um... Ke- with Kaelin's glorious um, one in two in bluff, yeah. he's this kind of thing when the centuries go. You're there. Aren't you supposed to be on the train duty? Uh, me no speak tell Dane. Yeah, I'm going to be passing as a big dumb human fighter, and I'm going to let my brighter looking human fighter friend do the talking. 
I'm clearly... I don't think Kaelin has difficulty passing himself off as a guy who's here to hit things. Okay, so she does get the advantage of her plus 10 disguise, because you will also disguise self, which will give her 52. Michaela Morag, ladies and gentlemen, for when you really, really don't want people to see through your disguise. So, when you get into the River Razor camp, like, the Wyverns are not maintaining any sort of camp at all. The Pytaxian yeah. Regiment are definitely keeping a nice perimeter <coughs> and all this sort of thing. The Clockwork Cavalry just seem to basically stop. Um, they are separate units in that they can get off their horses, um, but then they all just stop and stand there. They don't need to eat, set yeah. up a camp, any of this sort of thing. The river raises when you go in are really just all over the show. There's fires burning everywhere. Um, when you hit in, you get challenged by some of the Pytaxian regiment. Michaela says, Michaela says, look, we've been, we've been out, we've been out, we've been scouting around, we've had a look at the walls, she's gonna be a tough nut to crack. (laughs) Alright, pass on through, pass it on, pass it on to, pass it on to Commander Marlin. Dig, 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 dig. When you get into the River Razor's camp itself, you're challenged again by a couple of people. I assume you are looking for Marlin. Oh, yes. But I am declaring that as we have personal information from the leader of this band, we will have asked, and our explicit plan was to sneak in. And also, you know, what's a a secret code we can use to a generic river razor to say we need to see the captain? So his command tent is not particularly obvious. Um, Smart. Indeed, actually... If you didn't know more or less what you were looking for, it would be rather hard to find it in this generic hodgepodge of tents. Um, The plus side to that is that there is no one on guard on his tent, because Hmm. that would make it more obvious where he was. Sweet. Um, So, you have found his tent... I am going to declare in the several days prior to this, weeks or so of warning that I've had of this, that um, Kaelin has purchased Michaela a scroll of false vision for the purposes of actually having this conversation with her. Yep. Because I really don't want this one to be scryed on. The phrase Elora has given you um, to use for this is that um, winter comes three months after spring, which is factually untrue. And she says, relates um, that Marlin will know what it means. It relates to their son. So yeah. Something about like the day he's been born on or something in that neighbourhood. Um, indeed, when you go near his command tent, there's no guards outside it. When you go into it, because I assume you're just more or less yeah. walking in, you are immediately challenged by a couple of guys who are quite literally lurking in the tent, yeah. knives out. That, that's how they're guarding it. Yeah. Um, and Michaela, they, who are you? Who are you? What do you want? Who are you? What are you doing here? You're not supposed. To, we're not supposed to shift duty rotations yet. Michaela holds a hand up. She says, "I'm told that winter comes three months after spring." And they look slightly sideways at her, and then you hear from slightly further back in the tent, What? And out comes a man, and he looks like he has seen 
several wars. Kalen has seen this sort of guy before. He's the grizzled old mercenary vet yeah. who survived this battle and that battle and that sort of thing. The guy who never gets raised above sergeant, but yeah. always knows what he's doing there. Which um, is, you know, so he's Kalen, <laughs> not to put too fine a point upon it. Um, but Mar- possibly an older Kalen. Marlin is... Elora is in... Hard to tell. Um, when she was properly pretty up, she looked 30. Yeah. When you saw her in the woods, she looked 40. Yeah, Marlin, but still a hot 40. Yeah, Marlin looks 50 to 60 kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I see her as being played by Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, Marlon looks like he yeah, is, good choice. He is ten to twenty years older than her again, or yeah. he's just had a really battered down life. Yeah, and he comes out dressed in basically simple leathers, arms pulled up his sleeves slightly, no obvious weapons on him, and he looks at the two of you with some confusion. And then looks to his guards and says, It's alright. Why don't you go make the rounds? They blink at him, take him very seriously, and just walk out of the tent. And he looks at the two of you, and again he has his arms up his sleeve, completely out of view, possibly um, palming daggers or any number of things. And he looks at the two of you, and he says, I don't recognize you. Who are you? What are you doing here? We need to have a very private conversation with you, Commander Marla. And um, I will. Um, my associate, my associate's going to get a scroll out of her bag. If you'll permit her to cast it. Yep. And he watches this carefully. Watches Michaela do this. Nothing obviously explodes. And he watches you. Mikhail nods. It's done. Anyone who scries on this meeting will hear you getting reports from your scouts about the condition of Elthra's defences. Say, say Castruccio or Rivetti, not to pick an example at random. You are prepared for this. My name is Caitlin Thorne. Ah, he says. <laughs> Leans back takes his hands out of his sleeve where he does in fact have a couple of daggers palm which he then flicks round and sheaths in his in his belt and you must have met my wife I last month this is Michaela Morag we have a letter for you and I will carefully fish in the yep. bag and hand it over he cracks it reads it rolls it up, puts it in the candle flame, yeah, and then wipes away from his eyes what might be tiredness or might be a couple of tears leaking out. You've definitely seen Alora all right then. All right. Where do we go next then, Caelan, King of Stagthorn? Well, I haven't read the letter, but, um, the plan, as we discussed it, suggested that this might be a good time for all of you, you and all of your men to die valiantly in the cause of Pytax. And, yeah, he will basically um, 
tell you the letter more or less contains what you would think, along yep. with a bunch of personal touches that are largely irrelevant to Caitlin. But he is up to date on the plan now, yep. functionally. I um, confess I was rather hoping um, we'd have a few more months to scout Pytax and I could have had this conversation with you in a slightly less tense environment. Or even that you were, um, wouldn't have been in task to attack in concert with all of my uh, all of the other armies. I was um, anticipating a try for a spread out strike like he did last time. If he did um, tap you boys for it. But uh, we are here, here is where we are and here is where we are. I think you know in defense of my, in defense of my home uh, we will cut you all down if we have to. Your lady thinks that um, we'll pay a high price for doing so and I can't say it's a prospect I relish. If the, um, the one way or another the river raises are getting taken out here I'd prefer to see them, the individuals within make their way elsewhere for he, the time. He nods. Believe me, I understand what you're saying. A fair fight is just another word for one that you've done wrong. (laughs) My boys work better in the forests. I have orders from the Clockwork King to use my own best judgment, break away if necessary, fade back back into the forest, loop round, hit Lakeview or Merkvale. Whatever's most tactically advantageous depending on how the battle goes tomorrow. will have opportunity and motive to fade away, hit you elsewhere, and be beaten by a surprising assault. So because he actually has orders from the Clockwork King to double back round, Erevidi's not really going to blink at it if he breaks away. Um, it's not like, like he shouldn't go down and engage Lakeview and get killed because that's a stupid plan. Yeah. But if he's attempting to fake his army's destruction, he'll have several opportunities to do so. Excellent. So we're probably best to discuss this one out of character. Yeah, sounds good. What we're doing. Yeah. Um, so he will tell you he's going to have to make, the River Race is going to have to make at least one attack on Elk's Rest. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, obviously he would prefer that you didn't shoot back at him, but, you know. Um, so given that I'm being assaulted by a whole bunch of armies, yes. Kaelin is actually prepared to target the others. Because you can divide your targets, yes. I, I can make that look good, because I would probably choose to take out one, try and take out one of their armies. Yeah. We can hurl all our forces at a different army. However... Um, the question then is, if I do that, whether that provides a compelling reason for the razors to break away. Um, certainly, it's not something that Marlin would do on his own bat in that situation, because it's tactically inadvisable. And if he does the wrong thing, he's going to get in grief from Erevetti. By which he doesn't necessarily mean that Erevetti is going to kill his son, because... That it's kind of a last resort. If everybody yeah. can only pull that trigger once, he will get in grief, basically. Yeah. Um, which would be more of a problem if he broke off, fainted at Lakeview, screwed it up, and then had to retreat. Yeah. But as he's planning on dying anyway, it no longer matters what the Clockwork King's um, impression of his capacities is. Yeah. So, um, 
if he like if he takes a pass at um Lakeview tomorrow at, on the next on the first sorry takes a pass at Altruist tomorrow yeah I can swing that at attacking the other yeah. armies and then he ret- the thought is he retreats to Lakeview engages in combat with the Aurora's Rangers and dies gloriously for Pytax's fleeting tactical yeah. advantage which will only look so good because they're equal-sized armies. Yeah. But on the other hand, because that will be a battlefield with just them on it, yes. it will be considerably easier than trying to fake his death in the melee. You know, all his guys just fall down and don't get up, yeah. and, you know, the other armies are right there watching them do it. So what is your plan with the River Raisers? You're going to fake fake that the army has been destroyed, obviously. Yeah. Um, which he will sit down and go through several things of, yeah, like, we will give you bloody scraps of uniform. Yeah. This handful of weapons that you took from our corpses and this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Marlon seems remarkably comfortable with this as a plan. He's much happier with something where you're doing dodgy subterfuge than he is attacking your walls head on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he is also at least vaguely coy about the capacities of the River Raisers, what their tactics and capacities are and that sort of thing. That's fine. Um, but yeah, do, so it depends on what you're planning on doing with them. Like, you could... They could just exit stage left. You could break them up. You could um, uh, change them around and recruit them under a new army name functionally. It's the, my understanding was that um, Alora thought that anything other than having them hide out in some capacity would be hideously dangerous for her and the kid. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's the case. Yes. But, so um, Marlin's, you know, listening to your thoughts and things. Yeah, basically, they can... All the all um, disguise themselves as significantly different people and live in um, live somewhere in Stagthorn for a while. Yeah, which is prob- maybe a few, maybe you know, a year. I don't know how long this is all going to take. Yeah, or they can um, all adopt disguises, leave Stagthorn, and fuck off elsewhere and do whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, leave me some kind of means of contacting them in the event that I've solved the kid problem. Yeah. At which point I want them to come back and help out. Yeah. But, you know, at that point, by the time I've solved the kid problem, I may have solved the Iraveti problem, at which point they can come yeah. back, pick up him and Alora and leave again. So, what he would like to do is go and hide somewhere in a nice forested hex, and by preference one that Iraveti's armies aren't going to walk into which does um, somewhat limit his options and might well put his best option as what over the, the hell over there out of the kingdom. Um, I've got a number of forested options that it is unlikely that um, Uruveti is, like, um, the, um, yeah, there's not a lot of forest in the Varning, yeah. Varning host. So, so you guys talk about this, and he tells you basically his men are guerrilla fighters, they're reasonably good at hiding in the forest, but nonetheless, he doesn't want to be in a, in a hex that Iraveti is going to walk through. Um, you could hide him above. I don't think there's anywhere all that foresty in um, Fort Drelev's lands. Um, sorry. No, no, you go too. Uh, and the other option you have is you could hide him in Dagamark and quite literally pay them a small amount to ignore the fact that there's an army just kind of squatting in their borders. So it's you know a remarkable it's a remarkable group of brigands who they never quite get round to taking out. This um this hex here, yep, the one that I haven't claimed, yep, 
is a forested hex in the north of Stagform that I've never got round to claiming. Yep. It is um, adjacent to Thornwatch and Elk's Rest, and, but north of Elk's Rest. And Nerevetti has absolutely no reason to go there because it has no strategic or tactical advantage whatsoever. Yeah, I can easily refrain. I have never gotten round to claiming it. I can easily refrain from doing so. Yep. Um, be, it's a... Um, it's um, Pearl Lavish's tree hex. Yep. He'd be required to not harass the local fae. I mean, they're going to hunt. Yeah. Um, as long as they don't go, you know, madly chopping down trees or whatever, which I can't imagine would be their want, given no. that they're stealthy forest types. Um, that's the best I've got for him in terms of... Yep. I can't that, guarantee Aravetti won't march through it, but no, I think it's very that unlikely. Sounds, that sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. Because it's not claimed by my people, no one's going to be wandering... I mean, they might have the odd trapper, but if they can't evade the odd trapper, then they're in, bigger tr- they're in big trouble. Yeah, I'd prefer to hide them somewhere in um, Varnhold, but it's all mountains and it's all mountains and grass. There's practically no forest in there. Got a new jungle, but they they, they may not want to hide out in the new jungle. Alright. And yeah, if you want to keep them basically active as an army, you don't necessarily need to pay all of their consumption. But if you want them, by and large, ready to go at any given point, then um, you'll need to pay something else to slip funding to them, essentially, to make that happen, feed them, that sort of thing. Can I keep them as an inactive army instead of yeah, as an yeah, active that's, army? That's that's what, sort of what I'm saying. Right. I'm yeah. not actually going to charge you strictly based on their consumption and things. I'll just yeah. give you an arbitrary, you need to pay X build points a month yeah. to keep the river raises in the shitty style they've become accustomed to. Yeah, it's I, not um, going to be real expensive. I can live with that. You know, I can probably spare that, that, that. I mean, given a normal army and active is like two or three yeah. consumption, I'm seeing kind of one bill point yeah. a month. At pretty point pretty much, but basically... I, I can definitely spare that. Basically, that's um, covering the fact that they can't move on and hunt elsewhere and go yep. into cities and trade and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's essentially what I gave Alora, but um, the other one is... Um, Alora might want to skulk north and go hide out with them as opposed to hiding out on her own. Although she was kind of scouting Pytax, wasn't she? Yeah. So she might want to just stay where she is. Yeah. But she's kind of only scouting that one little region of Pytax she can actually get to, at which point I might propose the question to her. Very possible, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, if she's going to be hiding out for most of a year, she might want to do it with her, with her band and her husband as opposed to away from them. Uh, and... But yeah, that's a that's a plan that works for me. Marlon will listen to all these proposals, sort of trace this big scar that he's got under his eye from something or other, idly with a finger. And then he looks at you. Alright. If the opportunity comes up tomorrow and we can pull this off, it's a deal. And again, like Big manly arm class. Like Elora, Michaela can pretty much read him and gives you later the same information effectively. He doesn't love this deal. He doesn't he doesn't like being in a position where he has to trust Kalen, but he doesn't have any better options available yeah. to him. I mean his alternative it, before Kalen came into his alternative, his alternative was assault yeah. leader leader fr- pit, pitched assault against Elstrid's walls. It's not exactly what his force is designed to do. It's not that he hates you and fiercely distrusts you yeah. so much as um they he just doesn't don't like, like not having any better options. Yeah, yeah. They don't like relying on anybody. Yeah. And particularly someone they just met. Which is completely legitimate. Alright, and then um Kale and Michaela will redisguise themselves and skulk back in the other direction, back to Elk's Rest. Yep. 
And having got in, you can get out again with ease. Yep. Which means that I need to take tomorrow either one or two hits from the River Raiders as normal army attacks. Uh, yeah, functionally, um, you've got two rounds in a day, basically, yep. and then a third round of fighting at night, if it comes to that. Yep. And um, depending on how he's going, he's saying basically they'll either hit you, attack you once in the first round, either flee or attack you twice in the second round and then definitely flee by the third one. Sweet. Flee as in you have routed them, yeah. which is part of their secret plan to loop back round to Lakeview, yeah. which is actually part of their secret plan to fake their own deaths. Yeah. So now you're three tiers deep into complication. Yeah. But hey, I bet Michaela really likes yeah, this Yeah, Michaela's plan. very comfortable with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was a good choice. Uh, the, my original plan on Tristram was based on the fact that I had to run them, run an army down on the road surreptitiously, yep. at which point I was going to rely on um, invisibility, fan- uh, phantom, phantom horses and invisibility. Yep. Given what he ran with the Tiger Lords, I'm kind of thinking no one would see us, in the, no one would see us until it was too late. Okay, so um, then basically dawn breaks the next day. Erevati's armies roar and begin charging to Elsewhere, and we can either um, do a bit of this and then um, suspend, or we can suspend here. Whatever, it's 10 15. Eh? Yeah, I'm kind of inclined to think suspend here. It actually takes a fair amount of time to do four armies against four armies yep. for one day. Yep. And um, it te- once you start, it's much harder to stop. Yep. Cool. So the I, I would really like to do to do some of the battling, but you know I think that's going to inevitably lead to closing at eleven fifteen. Yep. So the clockwork cavalry, the wyvern, clockwork cavalry mount their horses and begin to sort of mm-hmm. across towards Elkrest. The wyverns take to the air. The Pytaxian regiment of a thousand men swarms, and the river raisers just kind of you know melt in and out of your defences. And on my side, the um. Mighty stag runners tow their siege engine um, and gallop out on their cavalry. The um, hooves of thunder uh, centaur archers are weaving in between them in support. The avenging bowmen stand on Elksresh walls and shoot people. And the um, kobolds um, deploy a variety of surprisingly complicated small traps that they've had, you know, yep. literally months to build. Yep. <laughs> and so then... Um... We will call that there with armies heading in. So I'd suggest that um, we probably don't need to keep track of um, where the armies are because they're vastly in the same place. If you just make a note of all the ones that aren't in Elk's Rest and where they are. Yeah, I'm going to make myself a little note of because I I haven't necessarily left all of these guys in their customary position. Cool. Yeah, armies charge. Death comes to the River Kingdoms. Dum, dum, dum.